0: I am available for bookings. Just saying.
1: Now yeah, for the comedies.
0: Whatever. Yeah. You just want to hang out. <laughs> hit me. Hit me up.
1: All right. I, I'll, I I'll be a
0: comedy escort.
1: <laughs> it should be. That should be your brand. Welcome to another episode of the MacGuffin Podcast, the movie review podcast that dreams are made of. Keith Foster, hopefully still alive and kicking in uh, San Diego, California. How are you doing over there?
0: Uh, well, Cassidy Robinson from Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I'm fine. Every I, Here's the thing.
1: We're on COVID watch
0: right now. Yeah. So, I mean yes it's it's scary how aggressive it is how contagious it is Mm -hmm. but like i people are going nuts people are going nuts it's it's very contagious Mm -hmm. uh yes people have died and that is unfortunate and i hope that you know that stop ha stops happening but I, i mean here's the thing uh be cautious, but don't be scared. It's a little nuts to me how many things have been canceled and, uh, like, huge events with real money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I I think it's... Again, it's good for people to be cautious, mm-hmm. but, you, you know, like, canceling events isn't going to prevent this from spreading. It's going to spread. Uh,
1: well, that that is... That's true, but I do think that uh, I, th- I think it's a little worse than the flu. I think I, I, I mean, I don't want to you know spread fake news. Um,
0: uh, do you know how many people die of the flu every right, year? Right, right,
1: right. Yeah, the you, people people have brought up the statistics, but it's, it's we're talking about um, you know, severity rates and that kind of stuff. So, which all of this data is like completely unknown right now because
0: it's so new. Again, wash your hands. Be cautious, but don't be crazy. That doesn't make things better. That actually makes things worse. Like, when people are going on runs for Target and literally buying out all the toilet paper, like, that doesn't help. That
1: that confuses me. I don't know why, they've, why that's the go-to. If anything, you should be stocking up on, like, cold and flu medicine.
0: <laughs> it's because uh, the best thing you can do is uh, quarantine yourself. Right, to yeah, the but spread. I so, don't think
1: you're going to need, like... Five months worth of toilet paper.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, once you get it, as long as you're, you don't have some kind of compromised immune system, uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're probably going to be fine. Again, it's not a guarantee. There's still stuff we don't know. But you're probably going to recover. And then your immune system takes it from there. Like, it's actually, in a weird way the more people build up immunities the the safer people are so to sure. actually i, I like don't know
1: like now you know for the most part uh we're not as terrified of the flu maybe we maybe we should be but uh back yeah, in yeah i mean 1918 get, it was a real pandemic that killed millions and millions of
0: people exactly get your goddamn flu shots uh wash your <laughs> hands i mean honestly so now
1: i know that having lived with you at one point um, mm-hmm. That you are an avid hand washer anyway. Some people might say obsessively so. Is that still the case? Or have you come around on your hand washing practices prior to this, this new th- epidemic?
0: No, I, I probably wash more now. I just, uh, I mean, it's pretty similar, but I just, I wash a little longer now. Mm-hmm. Um, are you doing this- the
1: ABC song
0: twice? Uh no what I'm do they si- say? You're supposed that, that, to that uh singing Co-
1: ABCs to yourself twice. <laughs> I'm
0: singing that uh Korean uh K-pop song
1: which we heard it Gangnam style?
0: No, they just talked about it on uh John Oliver. Um it's a a K-pop song about washing your hands. Look it up after the show. Oh okay,
1: it's... I I know he did he did a big segment on it So
0: Anyway, all of this is to say that neither Cassidy and I are doctors. Uh No. And we we don't really know what we're talking about at all, uh, but don't be crazy. That that's all I have to say is is be cautious, not crazy. Yeah, I'm don't just be either. don't be afraid. Like you know, there are so many. You're still statistically at such a higher risk of dying in a car accident of of uh fucking heart disease a mm-hmm. uh, climate change is gonna boil us all to death like there's so many ways <laughs> we're going to die that it's i guess i just don't i'm not i mean i don't want to get sick but i'm not gonna be afraid of it
1: <laughs> i mean i already practice self-quarantining anyways it's just called my regular life i'm doing pretty well as far as that goes um but yeah, that's that is an underlying concern of mine. But let's uh this is not the COVID cast. Uh yeah, today... we're
0: starting off on a real weird downer <laughs> note. Uh, <laughs> that has nothing to do with movies. I- except uh, you know what, in light of this, maybe go check out uh give contagion a rewatch. <laughs> um, outbreak. You know, there's some there's some good uh pandemic movies out there. Mm-hmm. So twenty eight days later. We would if that those type of zombie outbreaks were real, like they would spread so quickly that you wouldn't you'd get it before you even knew what was going on.
1: Well, specifically that kind of virus. Because, yeah, one that's the one that, that aggressive. Yeah, that where you get it in seconds. Um, because uh, you know, like in, in traditional zombie movies, you have to be bitten or you have to like, you know,
0: whatever. But, I was just I was just trying to get us back on at least a little bit of track,
1: right? So today uh, we're going to be discussing the new remake, the most recent remake of The Invisible Man, and we're at the end of the podcast. We're also talking about uh, the Safi Brothers' breakthrough film, Good Time, which is now on Netflix. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and get into a little bit of movie news. Uh, My first story here that I wanted to talk about. This actually goes back quite a ways, but...
0: uh, Is it that Daniel Radcliffe doesn't have COVID-19?
1: No, back further than that. Back when we weren't talking about this (laughs) on the internet every five seconds. Um, Let's see. Okay. Sam Raimi is in talks to direct Doctor Strange 2 in talks. Now, this is an old article. This is like from... Mm -hmm. February, so they might not be in talks anymore, but what do you think of that idea?
0: Fuck yes. Oh, really? Uh, I, yeah, holy shit. Like, to me, this is a home run. This is bring it the fuck on. Um, I mean, it, it, Sam Raimi is, you know, he gave us the Spider-Man movies, which are largely responsible for the the superhero pandemic, as it were, uh, that we're in right now. Um, I mean, I mean, he really. Uh, plus, with his background in horror and like sure. the the want to, you know, Marvel keeps talking about how they want this to be like sort of the first scary Marvel movie. Um, mm. I think he is exactly the right person to do that. Um, and do it in a in a studio friendly way, but still have it be really poppy and fun. Um, I to when I heard this, I was just like, "Oh God, I hope this happens." It is perfect to me.
1: Okay, I'm a little less on board. I'm not. I'm not against the idea entirely. I think that could be cool, but I think there are certain things about Sam Raimi's uh, sensibility that. I I mean, I guess it all depends on how you, what kind of tone you want to bring to this movie. I think there's a certain underlying silliness to Sam Raimi and everything he does, horror or not, and campiness that I don't necessarily want to see from the
0: Doctor Strange sequel. Um, But that, but that fits tonally with Splatstick is a little different, but um, right. You, you know that campiness, that campy humor, like that, to me fits well within the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean.
1: Right, and and so that kind of goes to my original statement of this. Depending on how you want to see this turn out, I would like to see. And it, the the problem with this is, I'm never going to be satisfied with how they, whatever direction they decide to go with this, because I have such a specific vision for for this series and this franchise and this character. Um, that I, unless I'm doing it myself, it's gonna be, it's not gonna live up to whatever I have in my head. Um, But I would like to see them to go more into the world of like necromancy and like uh, uh, the occult and that kind of stuff and let the character like treat magic less as a means for special effects and more as something kind of mysterious and dark and maybe even a little bit dangerous. Have you
0: seen Sam Raimi movies?
1: Sure, I have. <laughs> I mean, but I'm not talking about like the you movies
0: know, reading... that made him famous are about fucking necromancy, like literally. <laughs> uh, I think, again, that's why it excites me. I think he has a good track record uh, for really commercially viable uh, horror. Um, And he hasn't done anything, he hasn't directed anything since Drag Me to Hell, right?
1: No, he did uh, uh, Oz, The Great and Powerful, since then.
0: Uh Oh. Mm, I didn't see that one.
1: I did. Uh, And that's what I mean, it's like, there's another movie idea where, you know, you could bring kind of a sense of mystery. I mean, that was supposed to launch like a whole Oz franchise that never happened. And we'll talk more about yeah, that when we but get into it, Invisible Man. But, um,
0: but again, I, I you, and we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, the double edged sword of Marvel is their ability to quality control. So I right. wouldn't be too worried about it being this sort of studio mess. It, to me, it seems you know more like here's a little sandbox for directors who can play within that sandbox. Right. And the ones that can really shine and the ones that can't, it's still a fun sandbox, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I'm not against the idea. I think there are positives to it. Um, I, I don't know if it would work out just because I think Sam Raimi, based upon everything we heard from his distaste with, was a. 20th Century Fox? Oh no, Sony that did the Spider-Man movies Um, and sort of the clashes he had with the studio there I mean, if Joss Whedon had issues working within the Marvel sandbox, I can't imagine that a seasoned director like Sam Raimi would have any easier time
0: I mean, yeah, that that is you know, that is true they they tend to either uh, you gotta play ball yeah yeah and they have chased off uh you know other directors because of their inability to compromise so that is you know that is potentially problematic i just think that sam raimi's sensibility to me fits really well with what it sounds like they want to do with doctor strange sure Uh, so i'm very excited and i i hope this happens
1: okay how about this story uh Christian Bale confirmed as the villain in Thor: Love and Thunder.
0: Have they confirmed him as the villain? I I knew that they confirmed him for a role, but I didn't Says know
1: as the villain.
0: Okay. Uh I mean, I think Christian Bale's such a good fucking actor that he can kind of do whatever he wants and I'm I'm usually game. Mm-hmm. Um I, you know, obviously there's the speculation of who he's going to be playing, um, Mm -hmm. and the rumor mill has been fucking churning that out. Um, And I kind of don't care. Like, I I think that he's sort of an example of like, I I think it'd be fun to sort of see him. uh, You know, again, we've talked about this before. He's sort of a character actor at heart. Sure. And so I think it'd be fun to see him sort of bring that to maybe a less known character. Uh, Sort of like, you know, Benicio Del Toro with The Collector or something like that. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, give him some opportunity to play. Um, And I, I think it would be cool to see him in sort of a big superhero franchise thing outside of Batman where he can sort of flex those character actor muscles a little bit more i i that's to me what i would hope for but um you know even if he's just sort of playing menacing i think that could be cool too
1: yeah i think generally it's more fun to play a villain than it is to play a hero
0: especially a hero
1: like bruce wayne which is kind of interior so internal yeah yeah and, and uh brooding and and you know it's it's just supposed to be sort of handsome and mysterious i think a character, something as wild as something that could exist in the Thor universe, specifically the Taika Waititi Thor universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that an actor like Christian Bale could have a lot of fun and really exactly. be able to and build a character and and get into makeup and prosthetics and stuff that he likes to do as well.
0: And we know that uh, uh, Taika Waititi, from you know from his body of work, he seems to be a a, a good Uh, character or actor's director like you know people in his movies you tend to churn out really fun interesting performances yeah he
1: sort of encourages actors to have fun and and uh be creative
0: yeah so i i'm excited to see christian bale join the mcu i think that'll be really fun
1: all right and finally i this just was just posted uh earlier today a new Dracula movie in the works as Universal remakes
0: its monster verse again. <laughs> yeah, this, so are, are you are you sure this isn't an, an article from 2016? what sixteen?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I posted this in our Facebook group and it, uh, captioned. Um, I guess we're all going to forget that Dracula Untold happened.
0: Um, I mean, it it did happen. Uh, yeah, but I I mean, Dracula is you know they did just do that Netflix original Dracula thing i i guess i i mean here's the thing dracula obviously there is something there that that people keeps like drawing people to it yeah i, I just you know I, and i think well, it
1: specifically is specifically if you're if you're universal and your goal is to revive the classic monsters that you know essentially made the studio what it is today it, it would be like being DC and not being able to do Superman. Yeah, you know? to- or even totally. if you it's, even if you fucked up Superman, you, you got to go back to that well because you just don't. You have to have that leg in the table.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. Look at Marvel; they they managed to uh, build MCU out of uh, you tertiary know.
1: characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah for and the first
0: eventually, ten years or so. Yeah, exactly. So I, I mean, but I. The timing, I think, is right. If it's a good movie, like mm-hmm. let's let's make vampire scary again. Um, uh, yeah,
1: because you know that was a big problem with Dracula Untold is that it was basically he was trying to be Batman Begins with a vampire.
0: Yeah, and was, exactly. And they were trying
1: to make an action movie. And uh, you know, like I said, we'll we'll talk more about this when we get into Invisible Man. But I think the there there's one specific. I don't know if this movie was supposed to happen and maybe never did. I forgot who was attached to it. But there's that story in Dracula where he's on the boat, you know, being transferred mm-hmm. in the coffin from one area to another. And the boat gets lost at sea or something to that effect. And he just has to, like, go on a kill-crazy rampage to survive <laughs> until, he, until he reaches shore. Um, and yeah. there was supposed to be a movie about just that. Like, the whole Ooh, plot would be that. that could be
0: cool. Yeah. Yeah. and uh Ooh, that could be a... really cool, because it could be, like, it, it could be one part. I mean... Survival get, horror. And, yeah, you could almost yeah. give him, give it, like, a little bit of the alien treatment, but, mm-hmm. uh oh, but, like, a period... Ooh, I really like the idea of that. That could be <laughs> really fucking cool. Now you've set whatever this movie is up, that does happen up for total failure
1: yeah totally um because there was talks about that movie for a long time and i don't know if it ever happened i don't think it did but uh if that's the direction they want to go something you know that's the thing is you got to go specific you have to really dial in the tone um and
0: uh well i think you got to like
1: figure out how to make the character iconic again you can't just throw what was the actress name um cooper something cooper Luke Evans, yeah. Luke Evans, Luke Evans, yeah. Um, uh, although Dominic Cooper was in it. Yes, maybe that's what's fucking me up.
0: Uh, um, so- yeah, well, and, and, you know, like, also, there's the, the early 2000s, like, there, oh, literally Dracula 2000. Yeah, with, um, with Gerard Butler. Where they, you know, try to make it all hot topic-y, and, and the problem isn't updating dracula as a character the problem is making those fears and anxieties uh that created the myth of the vampire relevant again and yeah. again
1: and also sort of being able to stay true to the gothic horror nature of like aristocracy and that kind of stuff because that's a big part of the character too
0: yeah yeah uh i mean i think the time is right for a new incarnation of dracula i just mm-hmm. i i don't have a lot of faith in Universal. Uh, Especially, try like, don't fucking try to to rest this whole monster universe reboot on this one movie. Like, keep that in the back of your head. Sure, you know, if this works out, let's green light these other movies fast. Let those sort of have their own thing. Don't worry about trying to make it this big universe yet. Yeah. And I think,
1: you know, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think the the studio chatter about universing everything has kind of died down,
0: cooled. I think it's cooled cool ever since um DC uh, it,
1: sort of like had three or four failures to launch. In
0: yeah, a row. and I think uh Star Wars honestly was yeah. was one of the big things because it's coming out of the, you know, it's also coming out of the House of Mouse, but it's not exactly picking up the way that you know people sort of maybe felt it should and and mm. if you sort of can't do that with Star Wars then you know maybe this is a thing that just Marvel is doing really well and and maybe it, the way to compete with Marvel isn't to try and do what they're doing the I think the way to compete with Marvel is do what they're not doing and yes. I think people are starting to learn that, hopefully.
1: Hopefully. All right. Um, well, that's a good launch into our review of Invisible Man. And do you want to set that up? How, what is going on in this movie?
0: Uh, yeah. So Elizabeth Moss plays this woman, Celia. Um, the, the movie opens with her escaping from her abusive boyfriend, she, we don't really know much about this situation. All we know is she's terrified of him. Yeah. Um, and she, she gets out and she stays with a, a friend of her sister's who who takes her in because uh, he's unknown by this abusive boyfriend. The idea is mm. you know, lay low, um, and eventually she can sort of rebuild her life. Yeah, um,
1: and currently she's like very, very stricken with with psychological issues very and traumatized yeah.
0: very high anxiety yeah um hard for her to just even get out got out of the house so then her she gets word that her boyfriend has died so everything seems it's in the trailer so fuck it um yeah. <laughs> so everything seems to be better um she feels you know more secure to sort of move on with her life
1: Yeah, well, not only that. Or is he dead? Right, right. Well, not only has he supposedly died, but it's also left her a fortune in a will, um, which she's sort of reluctant to take at first, but she tries to use it for charitable reasons and and figures that this is, you know, uh, she's owed this money in some sort of way, given what she had to deal with, so... That sort of leads into this combination of guilt and paranoia when strange occurrences start to happen all around her that make it seem like she's being followed by the specter of her ex.
0: Yes, and uh, it's you know a little, little bit. Is this a ghost or is this is he somehow doing this? Is he is he somehow still controlling her? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this movie could be called. Uh, the gaslighting man, right? Um, but the the invisible man sounds better.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's so that 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 they you know they're they're tapping into obviously this is produced by Universal and this is sort of what is what I think they're hoping is the true launch of of uh, bringing back their monster movies. Um, but well, if, if you if look this is, at this movie, this is not very similar to the original Invisible Man, really, at all. It's its own so, thing, and I think for the better.
0: Yes. So that that's what I was going to say, kind of what I was just talking about with Dracula, is they were able to take the concept, the idea of, okay, what if there's a dude who's invisible? Mm-hmm. Um, but how can we make that relevant to today's today's day? And, yeah. and that is where I think this movie is really successful, is because it's playing on... Uh, The anxiety and the fear of the culture today. I think it's uh, incredibly smart that uh, instead of being from the invisible man's point of view, you know, he gets to be the monster. And, you know, this is from a woman's point of view. And one of the scarier things about this movie isn't the stuff the invisible man does, but it's the fact that no one believes her about this. Uh, these things are definitely happening to her, and mm-hmm. and who who do you talk to? Who do you you know? Where can you go? And- there's sort of
1: an element of uh, Rosemary's Baby in that sense, where she knows there's something wrong with her. She knows there's something wrong with her pregnancy, and these people around her become less and less trustworthy. But everybody around her is telling her you're fine. You're just you're just you know, getting anxious because of the pregnancy. You got to calm down, calm down. And there's an element of that in this story as well. There's, yeah, there's like, a sort of overlaying, sort of feminist subtext here about believing women be- and uh, trusting, uh, you know, uh, patterns of abuse and how that that uh, manifests in anxiety and depression and and et
0: cetera. Another thing about this movie uh, that I think makes it really successful is uh, it's you can tell this is a lower-budget movie, but mm-hmm. they use it well. Very well. Uh, it, because it's, it's
1: not... its It feels intimate, and it feels yes. spare, but it doesn't feel cheap. Like, I don't look at this and go, ooh, they really had to cut the corners. But he, the the director, Lee Winnall, I believe is his name. Lee Whannell, Um He... Uh, uses the budget as a means for creating a style that that meets it and the movie yeah. is very very stylish
0: yeah like there's so there's a lot of shots a lot of wide shots where mm. normally you would have two actors uh and, and just the way the shots are framed it makes you feel like there is another character on screen in the room um yeah yeah which is really well done and and a lot of it is just done with camera tricks there are a couple moments of uh cgi that are a little uh spotty but not not bad and and for the most part you know the movie takes place uh in like pretty isolated locations so it's not
1: yeah a lot of you know, indoor stuff like a lot of the movie is also sort of uh capitalizing on on uh the size of their sets so a lot of the a exactly, lot of this, yeah a lot of it takes place uh in houses or in apartments um in cramped spaces things like that that really uh drives home the paranoia i think the biggest influence on this movie is not necessarily the universal monster films um the 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 fingerprints i see all over this movie is hitchcock This is, to me, this feels like a Hitchcock thriller, especially kind of uh, like a wrong man thriller as she's like running around and trying to convince people.
0: Like, you know. Totally. And there's some, I I didn't do these
1: things. I'm still being followed. Nobody believes her. And there are classic Hitchcock, Hitchcockian setups all throughout the film where the audience knows what the deal is. The, you know, Hitchcock, um, famously said that, uh, the definition of suspense is, The audience knows there's a bomb underneath the table, but the characters don't.
0: That's a good quote. Um, Yeah, (laughs)
1: yeah, something to that effect. No, exactly. Like I mean, even the opening credits with the water, with the with the uh, with the waves that are crashing, creating the credit title sequence and the the type of music that's on it, it, it. This movie is 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 cribbing Hitchcock all over the place.
0: Even uh uh no I agree with you even with, uh even just like some of the ways the the plot unfolds mm-hmm. um like there the way you know certain twists are Revealed. are played out uh mm-hmm. y- you know they're, they're sort of these more uh interesting reveals than just sort of a trying to blow your mind kind of thing um yeah and there's
1: a sort of a cheekiness to this movie too I think people should. And uh, are wise to to recognize that there is a real allegory here about abuse and and there's sort of a feminist subtext here. Like that's all pretty on the surface, I think. Yeah, but I do think think that sort of
0: there's there's a very clear, very overtly,
1: very overtly. Yeah, I mean, and I think that 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 is worthwhile a worthwhile takeaway from the movie. But I think that the movie within that isn't trying to browbeat you with a message. I think it's also definitely having fun pulling the strings and going through with the suspense stuff. And it is, it is sort of joyously, um, uh, manipulating the audience and, and it is having fun being an effective thriller. It's a little bit of a popcorn film too.
0: Uh, totally. What, uh, something that, uh, when I came out of the, the screening, um, and it was a it was a packed sc- uh, house. Um, when I came out, I heard a lot of people being like, "Oh, that was kind of just like a big budget Lifetime movie." <laughs> um, I don't agree uh, which, with that. No, no, no. I don't. I don't either. Um, but I mean, if that's their frame of reference, then I,
1: I guess I get it.
0: I I think it's more just sort of like the 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 sort of salaciousness of it um yeah
1: it 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 allows for a little that's what i mean like especially some of the conversation set pieces and stuff and and the way that the characters interact with each other there's stuff that is intentionally darkly humorous
0: yes yeah
1: even some of the kills are kind of like set up like a punchline
0: oh totally yeah Um, uh I also really liked the way they explained this character. Uh, mm. They they did it in a way that seemed plausible, but not obnoxious. And the Well, uh, oh, there's some goofy sci-fi pulp. Yeah, but it's it, it's done in a way that's so. I mean, the uh, the dude is
1: basically a mad scientist. <laughs> I mean, they
0: just they yes, just... well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, he is a mad scientist, but it's it's. Again, they make it very relevant to to today's audience. He, he's he's right. not some mad scientist in a a lab with chemicals, you know, mm. and beakers and Bunsen burners. He is a, a mad scientist, tech uh, genius. Like
1: yeah, like basically I, I, it's the Silicon Valley version of a mad scientist.
0: Um, yeah, but again, I think that is smart and well done, and I also think that the uh, the. Character design, uh, obviously he's invisible, but, uh, yeah. when you do catch glimpses of what might be going on, I think is also really cool and creepy and, yeah. and original.
1: Yeah. People with tryptophobia are going to struggle. Yeah, <laughs>
0: totally. <laughs> uh,
1: no, I, 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 really like the look of that. And again, like there's a stylishness to it. Sort of a sleek, um, sexy sort of vibe throughout the film. Um. And uh, and sort of the color palettes are all sort of muted and grayed, but it doesn't feel like it's trying to be dour. It feels like it's it's almost sort of tapping into a noirish black and white uh, monochromatic uh, quality, um, even though the film itself is not black and white. But it kind of creates that sense with its use of shadow and light and chiaroscuro lighting, if you will. Yeah, I, I really dug this movie a lot, and I had a lot of fun watching it. I had fun being on the ride, being with the character. I did think I had something to say uh, and, and said it effectively while not, like I said, not turning into an over-the-top message movie. Uh, my only issue with the film, because I walked out of it going, well, I love that, but why am I feeling B-plus? <laughs> um, why is it not an A? And then it it, it occurred to me like, a little after I saw the movie, like, maybe a day later, is, like, I think the movie drops the ball a little on the ending. It's sort of, like, building up to this moment where she finally gets to, you know, overcome this thing, and she has to outwit her attacker and all of this stuff, and you think there's going to be this great master plan, and I think what they ultimately come up with feels like they wrote themselves into a corner and they had to figure something out, but I, it doesn't... I don't think it it lands quite as hard given all of the struggle building up to that.
0: I I kind of know what you mean. Um, yeah, the, the the last scene is a little clunky um, mm-hmm. and feels sort of the least grounded um, in in the reality that this movie has already established. Right. Um, but I don't know it also felt it also break, felt it. satisfying. I don't know. I I I can see what you're saying, but I don't know that I necessarily completely agree with you.
1: I just think that there was a you know, a, we, we we really want to see Elizabeth Moss cuz she's she's you know, doing this all on her own. Everybody else doesn't believe her or mm. has been killed.
0: And, and she's she great keeps, in this. Oh, yeah. And I she, mean, she
1: has to carry this whole thing in and, and, and does. It, um, it,
0: I, it, it seems a little silly to say Elizabeth Moss is great because she's sort of great in everything. Sure. Um, but yeah, she's really good.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's she's very, very good in this. And she's also like very committed to the emotional reality of the story. Like, even though ultimately, if you boil this down, this is like kind of a pulp thriller. And mm-hmm. and uh a bit of a B movie, like let's be real, it is. But um, she is not playing it that way. She's playing it with full conviction of the story's trauma, and is and the movie works even better because of that, even as all the silly stuff is happening. But
0: going I back to silly
1: stuff, the yeah. ending to me, I would have liked to see a little bit more of that cat and mouse that we get throughout the film yeah. uh played out I agree. at the end as well. Because it feels like you know, her master plan, her grand plan to get out of all of this sort of happens kind of quickly and with not as much thought put into it as everything else.
0: Well, and, and I think it uh, that last scene, there really isn't a, a sense of tension. Like, it, mm-hmm. it sort of feels like everything's already kind of been resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that might be part of the problem, is I think that last scene, they could have really ratcheted it up. You know, during this final confrontation, I think it it just it didn't felt feel like that situation was as life or death as sort of what we had just seen. Yeah. Um,
1: well, I think and, there is a sense then, of there is a sense of suspense there because we know what the what the villain is capable of, and there's this. You know, yeah. there's a sort of an element of her getting in the cage with the lion, um, and what's going to happen. But I think what happens is a little bit of a letdown. In like I said, coming after this long cat and mouse journey with these characters up until that point, which I think all of the, I. So I think I think ultimately the wind up is a little bit more satisfying than the than the release of the tension. But I did enjoy the movie overall.
0: I did too, um, and and again, this is exactly what I was what I'm saying. You know, if these other Universal monster movies can do exactly this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be their own standalone stories and find ways to make the monster relevant, I I think it's going to be hard to make it more relevant than this. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels so of the time. Uh, in a good way, yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I mean I think the movie's good enough that it, you know, will reward multiple viewings and and such mm-hmm. even way down the line. Um, but it also I think is going to feel like sort of a time capsule of a post Me Too era. Um, sure, yeah. And I think that's really cool and exciting and and really cool that they could do that in. Uh, you know, in a horror, sci-fi, pulpy, B-movie sort of way without feeling pretentious or preachy, but, mm-hmm. you know, really trying to just tap into those fears and anxieties.
1: Yeah, it, it just it gets it tonally perfect. And, you know, I, going back to what I was uh, alluding to earlier when we were talking about Dracula, if you look at, I, I wrote my review for this uh, a couple days ago, and I started it out just by talking about all of these failed attempts by Universal to keep tapping back into the MonsterVerse, whether it's Van Helsing, back in 2004 or five, whether it is uh, uh, the most recent Mummy movie with Tom Cruise.
0: Well, the problem or, is they, they're trying to make these the yeah these big-budget, weird, schlocky, superhero-esque yeah. messes, and it's like, yeah, we, don't, we don't need, need that. Dracula
1: Untold, The Wolfman, there's like, they've tried, they've I mean,
0: it's like they don't. It, it's like they want to be making different types of movies. It, yeah. it's, it, it's weird. Like if you want to do that, just keep making your fucking Fast and Furious movies. It, right. it, does that not scratch the itch? Oh. Uh, that's not what people want when they want to see a monster movie. They want to. They want to be scared. They want to be uh, titillated. I yeah, and I, I think will that say this
1: film does a really good job at feeling traditional in a way because they got a good director. I mean, that, that's what it really comes down to is you mm-hmm. get somebody who knows what the hell they're doing and knows a little bit about cinema and like the traditions that they're playing in and they, they're they going to know how to make it feel both traditional and modern and relevant and scary all at the same time. That's what you totally. have to do here. And I think that's, that is a little bit of a threading of the needle. I understand that. Like, that's not something you can that just happens. Uh, but th- I think if they have, now that they have a template that's successful, because this movie was, because it was made on the cheap, it is making crazy profits, yeah. um, which we've seen happen in horror a lot. But uh, now that they have a template and they're like, oh, so this is what people like. Now, maybe this is gives them a better view of the bullseye. Ho-
0: hopefully. I, I really hope so. Cause I think this is a good, I think this is setting a good tone and a good framework for, um, yeah. you know, what a, a universal monster could be in mm. 2020. Uh, we should
1: also mention this was co-produced uh, by Bloomhouse Productions as well. I think they were sort of like um, uh, hired on yeah, to do this for Universal. Yeah, I, I think it helps a lot because Bloomhouse are the kings of making cheap horror movies that make a lot of money
0: yeah yeah
1: all right uh so what are you giving it? I already announced my b plus um i think that's pretty
0: fair i'm kinda i'm kinda i i'm gonna say a minus um i d i do think this i think your description though is is really apt this is a b movie, but it's done mm. really well so yeah um i i'm willing to forgive. Whatever little steps there are, I I was just again sort of blown away with how timely and smart it was, and I was not expecting that. Yeah, um, and I just so want to that- clarify
1: uh, for the listeners: when I say B movie, I don't mean like bad movie. I mean, <laughs> I mean the tradition of a certain type of genre film that traditionally would be featured after the main production you would see in a, uh, in a traditional double feature back in the fifties and sixties. That was what they called B movies back in the day. It's only a somewhat recent thing, maybe like eighties and above where the term B movie became synonymous with corny or bad. I meant B movie as a, a type of genre film.
0: Yes. I, yeah. Um, I know you know that, but, but uh, yeah, so I, I think it hits that mark. Uh, really well. Um, I, I, again, I think there are maybe little things that could have been slightly tweaked about it. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty forgiving of those. Um, and I was, I was thoroughly engrossed.
1: Yeah. Same here. Um, cool, cool, cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing what uh this, this director Lee went has, has done. I know he did one, an insidious movie
0: back. In he also the... did, uh, I, I, he also did upgrade, which I heard a lot of good things about. Like it's it's sort of a modern uh, RoboCop. Oh,
1: okay. not
0: it's not a remake of RoboCop, but it's sort of kind of a similar. Like it's it's like a you know an ultra violent sci-fi, um, sci-fi thriller about a cyborg, and it, and it but might be worth looking at. It heard, I heard it got some uh, some pretty good buzz. So after this, I I am a little more interested because clearly he can work uh, genre. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the, uh, streaming homework. Then this is good time. And this oh, is I,
0: the- I also think it's before we move on, I'm sorry. Um, I also do think it is worth mentioning, um, for, for any, uh, particularly women who have been abused, uh, trigger warning. Like I think, uh, invisible man might be kind of hard to watch. Um, Possibly. again yeah it's it's horror but it is it is dealing with very real themes so i do think again that's worth mentioning it, it might uh might be uncomfortable um if you've have issues like that in your past that you're dealing with so um fair enough yeah anyway
1: okay uh good time this is a film that was released in 2017 uh, starring Robert Pattinson and uh, it was directed by the Saadvi brothers who also did uh, last year's uh, uncut gems, which we both liked a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I had heard a lot about this movie and, uh, you know, I heard it was the strongest case for Robert Pattinson. Like if you're still unsure about his acting ability or you haven't seen some of his newer stuff, that this is the film that's like really kind of platforms him the best. Um, so I was excited to see it on that level. Uh, although I'm not a R. our Pat's hater, I sort of came around when he went when he did his stuff with Cronenberg. But yeah, I wanted I wanted to check this out, especially given how strong of a movie I thought Uncut Gems was. And uh, the story here is he plays uh, sort of this fuck up, basically, who <laughs> has a brother with um, uh, cognitive disabilities where it's not totally said like if if he's uh you know, slow or or mentally handicapped or whatever. He you know, I think he's deaf as well. The brother is deaf because he's mm-hmm. he, he
0: wears a mm-hmm. a an earpiece that we see through the movie. I, I um, think he I I don't know. I mean I can't diagnose anything like that, but it it, it felt like they were um, portraying him as autistic to me. Yeah, That's
1: something to that effect. Like I there's some it. sort of like a social or learning disability happening there. But uh, so Robert Penson sort of feels responsible and taking care of him, but he's also a criminal. So he's, uh, he's, he's trying to sort of trick his brother into helping him with these petty crimes. Uh, and together they try to rob a bank. It doesn't go so well, uh, while they're on the escape, um, they're quickly, uh, uh discovered in the pursuit by the police and, what the rest of the film sort of uh, ends up becoming is this chase sequence, this extended chase sequence where the brother is arrested and he's put in, put in uh, jail, but uh, his, he needs to get the bail money to get his brother out, but while also concealing his identity because more and more evidence is coming out uh, by the hour of, who is involved in this actual robbery as we see him going through um, the city trying to get this money. uh, We also see these different people in his life that he pulls into this, this mess. Uh, Some people that he knows really well, like his girlfriend, his older girlfriend played by Jennifer Jason Lee and also people he doesn't know at all (laughs) that he, (laughs) that he brings along for the ride. So this has a similar kind of, Ratcheting tension, um, ticking clock, thriller aspect that uh, Uncut Gems has. Um, I and uh, and I think this is something that these directors do really well. I should also say Benny Sadfi, who is one of the directors, is also playing his brother.
0: Yes, he plays. Uh, uh, uh. Robert Pattinson is Connie Nikus and mm-hmm. Ben Sadfi is Nick Nikas. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh. I mean. Totally, I think this is a really good companion piece to Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you saw Uncut Gems and you you liked that, you're probably gonna feel. I don't want to say comfortable in this here, <laughs> um, but it's it's kind. Of, they're playing with similar similar stuff. Uh, uh, mm. This you know, kind of this hectic. Uh, character whose whose life is sort of a whirlwind around him um and and it's sort of never uh you you're never really allowed to feel comfortable or totally at ease or like this guy even knows what the fuck he's doing um and uh again they play with tension in a lot of really cool interesting ways but in but a very different type of tension than uncut gems i think that's That's worth mentioning. Um unc- uncut gems feels very much like you're following uh the life cycle of an addict uh who is uh, uh just sort of looking for his next fix. This feels more like a a guy who just wants so desperately to be in control but can't. Mm-hmm. Uh is incapable of it. Um uh he's just smart enough to not fucking know anything uh, mm. uh and to really get himself into some serious trouble but he but he's a very different type of character than than Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems he's not he doesn't feel like this sort of adrenaline junkie he feels like you know this this just lower class dude trying to get a leg up uh probably you know he thinks he's a little bit better than everybody else around him, he thinks he's a little bit smarter, mm-hmm. um, and and he thinks he deserves a little bit more, and that gets him into some serious fucking trouble.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, there there there's also I think both films, but this film especially does a really good job at implying history with the character. We don't mm-hmm. we don't fully know his motivations. We don't know how he came up. We don't know, but we kind of get a feeling from the way he behaves and sort of the sort of street culture that he thrives in that he and you know the relationship he has with his brother most specifically Mm -hmm. we have a feeling like this is a person who's dealt with struggle his entire life and that he is he's um he's
0: embraced it to sort of become a thug even though yeah he he could be better and and that's another thing i think the safty brothers do really well um with very minimal dialogue uh or at least very minimal expository dialogue yeah um giving you the sense of these people who aren't who aren't doing good things mm-hmm. um they're doing very bad things, but you still get this sense that deep down they're probably a good person they just don't know how to be
1: right yeah, there's an empathy there. Uh, yeah, there's a very it, strong empathy for their characters and their situations, and I think that's what sets apart their films from just being a thriller or just, or just being, being a, genre a
0: gangster piece. flick. Yeah, it, yeah. Even though they're
1: definitely living in those worlds, um, I think there's an extra level of dramatic tension added because they actually like and care about their characters.
0: Yeah and and you want to see these characters get out of these situations. And and he, he, yeah. they keep setting up these scenarios where it's like, well, if they can just get out of this one they'll be okay, but they won't. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the thing with these characters, they're not going to be okay because this is how they live. This is mm-hmm. their life. Yeah, uh, there's, yeah,
1: there's a element to 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 their films as well that's a, a little a little like vérité, a little like man on the street, you know, single camera uh, kind of stuff. where Whereas, you know, a film like The Invisible Man is like clearly using big sets, and it's sort mm-hmm. of almost using the sets as a display of of style. Uh, this film, almost nothing feels like a set. Surely, some of it must have been. There's a lot of like little apartments and things like that. But
0: uh, yeah, and like the, the the little the carnival area. Yeah, But but, but again, it, it yeah, it feels very. Uh, it, feels it feels like they're very... just running
1: on the street and, sh- you know, sh- stealing locations when they can and that kind of stuff. There's a bit of a sort of like early underground film vibe.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, it also has a really great score. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the score um, is really good. It, you know, it's sort of this uh, synth wave. Um,
1: sort of Tangerine dreamish.
0: Uh, Yeah. Kind of feel. Yeah. And it all, but it also helps ratchet that tension up because, um, you know, it's just sort of this constant beat in the background, driving the movie forward and driving these characters forward. uh, Even though there's no logical reason for them to do some of the things they do. Um, Yeah. And, and some of the twists this movie takes, uh, are yeah, are doozies. Um, I also particularly enjoyed. Uh, I think Robert Pattinson's great in this. It it is, I think, a little more understated than Adamson. Sand- well, a lot more understated than Adam <laughs> Sandler's character. Yeah. Um because Adam Sandler's character is this sort of uh, uh from Uncut Gems is this big, brassy and and uh this guy is like he's sort of this quiet, brooding, you know, definitely in Robert Pattinson's wheelhouse there. Um Grifter, con man kind of guy. But he also feels
1: um, he also seems a lot more like frazzled. Even though he's trying to play it cool, I don't get the yeah. sense that he's like Really believes everything is okay. Like he seems like he's on edge. Um, there's a even though he, he he's not always behaving that way, um, and he's trying to act like he's in control of the situation. Totally. Uh, the character, if if I'm to give it a comparison, a little less comedic maybe, but I, I'm reminded a little bit of Aaron Paul's character from Breaking Bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like they could be totally friends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like he could like, run you into.
1: Know- run into Aaron Paul's character and you know have a totally uh, normal scene that would make sense for this movie.
0: Yeah, and and um but all the actors are really good here. Again, um a lot of uh uh Benny Safdie, I didn't know he was an actor, but uh he's, incredible. he's great. He's yeah. so good as this brother. He's so believable. Um uh Jennifer Jason Leigh uh mm. has a smaller part, but she's so good. Um but I really liked the guy he runs into about halfway through the movie, uh, Ray. Ray, oh man, that guy is a fucking character. Like, Buddy Duras is
1: the actor. Yeah,
0: yeah, he he was so good. Is just uh, this, again, sort of this guy who's just sort of attracts trouble no matter what, seems mm-hmm. just absolutely incapable of making the right decision. And then There's when you throw him... in the
1: film, um, not to... Th- throw you off too much, but there's one moment in the film where we cut away from uh, mm-hmm. from the perspective of Robert Pattinson's character into the to this backstory of this Ray character um, and it feels a little abrupt and maybe a, a little bit like a new director just sort of throwing shit in, but I kind of loved it because it felt like early 90s independent film <laughs> that, yeah, that used to I, take those kind of risks all the time.
0: I I agree with you completely. I think I think you're totally right, and you know I think there's a reason Cut Gems didn't do anything like that. It it I think they were a a little little more more refined, yeah, and a little more confident. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Whereas this, it feels like they're just sort of trying to make their version of of go or you know like one of those like sort of 90s caper thrillers
1: yeah or um, even or even something like um the living end or something like that like these like these like early like sundance firebrand indie cinema stuff
0: but they already have like such a clear voice and yeah. and like st- and style and like uh i i am definitely fans of of the safties and i mm-hmm. am uh, very much looking forward to to whatever their next project is going to be.
1: Yeah, same here. I think they're. I haven't been this excited about like a new filmmaker since I, uh, you know, like first discovered it, Darren Aronofsky movies or something. You know, sure, like when yeah. I when I first saw uh, *Requiem for a Dream* and and uh, *Pi*, and uh, I was like wow. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna see anything this person does, and that hasn't always led to great results. But I I feel confident in the Safi brothers that they they really know what they're doing, and they're um, they're making really interesting work.
0: Totally, yeah. It, it looks like um, they do have. I'm just looking up some of their stuff on IMDb, and it does look mm-hmm. like they have uh, you know a bunch of stuff. I don't know if they're uh, how many features they they have. Um, but, yeah, I think they're they're very, very exciting. Um, and I, I'm very excited to uh, see what comes next. For sure.
1: All right. Uh, what did you have for the next streaming homework for us?
0: Um, for the next streaming homework uh, on Netflix, I am going to make you watch uh, a movie uh, from a few years ago, uh, we're going to review Mike Birbiglia's "Don't Think Twice," uh, a, a sort of dramedy about uh, the lives of uh, an improv comedy troupe.
1: Mm, yes, I remember this was maybe your number one film the first year you were on the podcast.
0: I think so. I think so. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was definitely. It, I, it was definitely on my list. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, if you are listening and you're interested, uh, you know, to join the discussion, um, please check that out and, uh, send us any comments you might have and we'll read them on the show.
1: Yep. You can do so at our email at uh, uh, mcguffinpod at gmail.com. You can also look us up on social media at facebook.com slash mcguffinpod, where we post the episodes and other news items, and sometimes I survey our audience with questions, fun stuff like that. So if you're one of the few people who are still using Facebook, you should definitely be following us there. Um, We are also on Twitter and Instagram, at MacGuffinPod. Uh I haven't been using our Twitter as much lately. I should get back on that. But I use my own a lot, but I uh, should be switching over every every now and then.
0: It's uh, okay. You have nobody has any reason to go on Twitter. It's a nightmare cesspool bubble.
1: It is, especially right now. But we are also available on all the streaming stuff, so um, leave us a review and a five star rating on iTunes, especially. We we would really really appreciate that. I don't know if you if you've done it already. Start a new account and give us another one. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're also available on uh, Stitcher Radio, Player.fm, Pocket Cast, and the Windows Podcast Network. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram and on Twitter under VC Cassidy. Uh, if you so choose and you can also uh, check out my movie reviews that I write weekly for the Idaho state journal at, uh, the, this is the new hack. Just type in Google Idaho state journal movies and they'll take you directly to the movies page. Don't try and find it by going to Idaho state journal.com because it's not the best navigated website in the world.
0: Just saying. Okay. You're going down a rabbit hole. That's okay. Uh, we, we all do. Um, uh, Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Keith Foster kid, um, uh, get all my political hot takes right now. Um, (laughs) uh, I promise I'll go back to just jokes. I don't, I don't care. I don't fucking care about anything anymore. It's your
1: brand, Um, Keith. You got to consider your brand.
0: And my brand is not politics. I, I I, I am not very savvy when it comes to that. Um, (laughs) Uh, yeah, but you can follow me at Keith Foster Kid. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at Keith Foster Kid. Um, you can also follow my art account on Instagram at Sticky Note Aesthetic. Yes. Uh, and check out my website, www.keithfosterkid. I am available for bookings. Just saying.
1: Yeah, for the comedies.
0: Whatever. Yeah. You just want to hang out. <laughs> hit me. Hit me up. <laughs> I'll pay, $300. My... I'll pay you three hundred dollars
1: i'll pay you three hundred dollars just to uh to hang out with me
0: yeah um whatever all right i i'll, I think I'll be a comedy escort
1: <laughs> it should be that should be your brand that should be your thing <laughs> um all right i think that's the episode surprise bye wash your hands.